The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, if you could change anything in the world, what would it be? And let's talk about how to do it. Most of us spend a lot of time feeling discouraged. There are things we'd like to change, but we are so convinced we can't, we don't even think about how we could change. On Inside Out, we're going to continue with our theme of the inner revolution by asking ourselves what we would really like to change about our lives and our world. And then we'll talk about how we could make it happen. The change could be something personal, such as the way we relate to our spouse or children. Or it could be something social, such as taking action about global warming or corporate behavior. Once we've identified what we want to change, let's think about whether these changes are already happening and how. And finally, let's plunge into the conversation about what we can do. Each caller or guest on Inside Out has a piece of the inner revolution. So let's start thinking about what we really want. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, some of you know that uh, Inside Out has gone through an inner revolution. We are now Inside Out voice of the inner revolution. And it's on our graphic, and we've got new commercials and promos and all of that. So I hope that you've been listening to them and that they're getting you all excited instead of like, oh my God, what are they doing now? So I'm very interested in doing this show and uh, this particular episode, which is kind of part of our launch because all of our stuff is up today. We are identified as the inner revolution. So let's be revolutionary. Well, some of you are probably wondering, well, does that mean that I have to be 20 again, uh, live in a tenement and go work in a factory? Well, I mean, that is one kind of revolution. I've done that, tried that. (laughs) But the inner revolution is different. I mean, it really has to do with changing ourselves and confronting our own attitudes and confronting confronting our society. In fact, I want to mention to you something. I have a new video up. If you go to Beth Green TV on YouTube, you will be able to watch it. And, uh, you know, we have a banner on our host page, on our Inside Out host page that says, you know, Beth Green TV. You can click on that. And then you look and the uh, video that's up on my latest video is called The Inner Revolution, Confronting Our Gods and Freeing Ourselves. And when I talk about confronting our gods, I'm not only talking about confronting the God God above there, but we're talking about all the gods that we've created, all the things that we've made to be truth that we never question. Oh, my God, if we could only start questioning, thinking, it's a call to think. Imagine that. Anyway, it's also a hoot and a half, and it's very funny, and people love this video, so please watch it. So, now... Before we get into the crux of our show, we have started a new segment, which um, we did last time, too, which is I'm going to be talking about the news. Now, 
I want to encourage people to start queuing up to call in to talk about what they want to change about our world because this is going to be a very dull show if nobody wants to change anything about themselves or their world. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody wants to think about how we can do it. I mean, wouldn't that be really dull? So I'm hoping that we get lots of exciting guests or uh, in the future and callers today who are going to be talking about this. So, James, would you get the, give out the phone number, and then I'm going to go on to the news. Okay. Uh, please call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. All right. Okay. So now this is the news of sprouting consciousness. I don't know if that's a great title for this news segment. Somebody else might have a better title. You can always email the host from our host page saying, that is the lousiest title I've ever heard. (laughs) What about this? So anyway, I'm always open for something better. But now this is the part that I need to tell you. James is going through the news, and I go through the news too, and I may say, hey, James, would you do this? But he's going through the news, and he's bringing out some examples of things where we see that there's been a change of consciousness, which is the core of the inner revolution is about changing the world by changing ourselves, right? And not just personally, but also the way we, you know, we are in the world, and that when we change ourselves, it allows us to be different in the world. Well, we want to keep people puffed up and excited. And how do we do that except by talking about stuff that's really happening? I mean, we can't just sit here in a room and say, I'm calling for the inner revolution. You know, it's like, I keep thinking of this. Supposing we called for an inner revolution and nobody came. But what we want to look at is, do we have signs already that there is an inner revolution, changes in consciousness? So here's where James gives me these uh, little blurbs, because if you have been listening to Inside Out, you know that I have a memory like a sieve. And I'll come on and say, well, there was a really interesting article, but I can't remember who said it or what they said or exactly what the details are. So now I have it in writing. Now, do you know... You know when you watch the newscasters and they sound so intelligent and they have these little earphones things on and there's somebody in the background who really knows something uh, who is feeding them all this information so that they can look smart? Well, this is our version of that. But I'm telling you, because this is inside out, that I have this in front of me. Okay. Well, the big news, of course was the beginning of this uh, month where Baltimore changes to holding police accountable for brutality and death of an arrestee, a departure from the failure to do so elsewhere. Well, why is this big news and why is this, you know, uh, a consciousness news? Some of you might feel that it's unfair that these officers are being uh, arrested and some of you may be really excited that these officers are being arrested. And, but I think what's extraordinary about this whole event is not only did the state attorney general announce criminal charges right away instead of dragging her feet and dragging her as And is it a coincidence that she's a black African, you know, she's an African-American woman? By the way, she's a, she's, a, she's a state attorney, not a state attorney general, just a state attorney. Oh, Okay. Uh, See, even when I'm reading something, I can't get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, 
Uh, and there is a black uh, woman mayor in Baltimore also. And that could help because, you know, things were went down differently in Ferguson, uh, Missouri, and in New York City with uh, Michael Brown and Eric Garner. But what is so exciting about this is that so many people went to the streets. There was a lot of violence. And as I said last time, you know, it's not like we're in favor of looting. I mean, that's pretty awful, especially because you're, you know, who's, who's getting damaged? The people who live in the neighborhood who lose their pharmacy or, you know, the Asian couple that's been working night and day to, uh, you know, to develop their store and that kind of thing. But what happened was once that decision was announced... There was such jubilation, and it was because people had hope. I think that is the most striking thing. I was very excited. I think they, it looks like from the outside that they have a good case, but we, we should never condemn people until they've had their trial. But there certainly was enough evidence. And if you're not in a racist society, it's probably likely that you would say, hey, this evidence points to this and it's certainly worth a trial, right? Rather than whitewashing the police because you don't want to confront the police commissioner uh, who's your buddy that you go golfing with. But, but this was fascinating because the whole energy changed when people had this are these arrests. And that goes to show you that people are frustrated because they feel powerless and that it is powerlessness that is so often the source of violence. And I don't know if you remember, but a couple of weeks back, I was talking about is humanity too powerful or too powerless? And that humanity is really too powerless, that the bully always felt weak or they wouldn't be the bully. I am concerned about the police officers. Like, why are the police officers so violent towards certain groups of people? Does it have to do with their fear of those groups of people? They're black officers, see? But it doesn't have to do with their own pent-up feelings of uh, powerlessness that they're taking out on people that they think they will never have to be held accountable for. You know, I'm looking for a deeper conversation in our society about the whole thing. But this is a beginning. It's a step forward. We have to hold people accountable for their actions, or they'll never change. And I think it's exciting to see that people are turned on. Now, we can't just let them sit there. I mean, there has to be more than just saying, okay, we've arrested people to, to keep people having hope. But hope motivates people. See, that's why I'm doing this nose on the news thing. Because if there's hope, then you'll be motivated, right? Now, another great thing that's coming out of all of this is the police are reconsidering when to use deadly force. Now, this is fantastic and not unrelated to the first story. Here it goes. Several big city police departments are already re-examining when officers should chase people or draw their guns and when they should back away, wait, or try to defuse the situation. Oh, my God. You know, how long does it take? You know, this is the first national debate about policing since 1991 beating of Rodney King in L.A. I lived in L.A. at the time. Now, listen to this. Chuck Wexler, executive director of the Police Executive Research Forum, a law enforcement policy group, will meet with hundreds of police leaders in Washington this week to call for a new era of training, one that replaces truisms such as the 21-foot rule for using deadly force against an unarmed person within 21 foot of an officer with lessons on diffusing tense situation and avoiding violent confrontations. 
While the Justice Department and chiefs of some major police departments are supportive, the effort has not been widely embraced, but it's a step forward. Now, that's huge. I mean, instead of going into separation with the police, oh, you're terrible. It's like, let's give support to the police to be able to be different. So I think that's really exciting. Don't you, James? I do indeed. Okay. Now, another interesting thing that came out of the Baltimore uh, you know, uh, riots is that people are beginning to wonder what went wrong. You know, we had a war on poverty and a lot of people thought they had opinions. They knew exactly how to fix it. Like it was a them us situation. Everything was a problem on the outside. If we could fix the outside, then everything else would go away. And that was so much the liberal policy. And then the conservatives say, oh, no, that doesn't work. But see, but they didn't come up with anything that really supported the people either. So people have been kind of like hung out too dry. Now, this is fabulous. Uh, People are beginning to ask the question, why couldn't $130 million transform one of Baltimore's poorest places? Now, it seems that there is little to suggest that two decades ago, visionary developer James Rouse and city officials injected more than $130 million into the community that in a failed effort to transform it. This is Sandtown, the same community we're talking about in Baltimore. Look how much people are thinking. I love this. Instead of just polarizing and said, oh, those scummy guys who are, you know, out there looting or those lousy police. People are saying, what the heck is going on here? What's the problem? So Sandtown's misery has been become part of the country's conversation about poverty and policing since Gray's death, April 19th. We were naive, said Diane Bell McCoy, President and Chief Executive Associated Black Charities. We meant well and we mean well, but I don't think we have taken time to dig deeply enough to find the answers. This is a quote. In many cases, people have to be connected to their own ability to change their lives. What is that? That's the inner revolution, right? We can't just solve problems from the outside. We need an inner revolution. Not so easy. And Al Sharpton, who has sometimes been a kind of a polarizing character, he got out and he talked about learning you know, that we have so much to deal with, but he said we must not become a, party, uh, a part of the hostilities we fight on either side of the debate. It's like none of us should just cut out the other and just become hostile to the other side. And the final fabulous piece of news is that, and this is back in April, but it's not too late in case you didn't hear it, Obama comes out against conversion therapy to support Leela's Law. And this was April 9th, and it was in the Washington Post. And it was a, a girl who was born Joshua. She felt like a girl trapped in a boy's body. And she came out, and she told her parents about this when she was 14. And they started this Christian conversion therapy. And the girl ended up, at 17, committing suicide by uh, stepping to her death in front of a tractor trailer. Now, people are getting up in arms about this. Finally, this conversion therapy. You know, um, whether it's about being gay or lesbian or transgender, conversion therapy has been accepted. It is now being challenged. Oh, my God, that means we're beginning to think about people 
and the way we really are instead of getting stuck in old paradigms of what it is to be a male and what it means to be a female. There, a We the People petition in the White House website was started on January 3rd that urged the president to ban the practice known as conversion therapy and name the bill in honor of Leela Alcorn. The petition closed just shy of 121,000 signatures. Now, Obama senior advisor Valerie Jarrett said the overwhelming scientific evidence demonstrates that conversion therapy, especially when it was practiced on young people, is neither medically nor ethically appropriate and can cause substantial harm. The American Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality as a mental disorder in 1973. That was earlier than yesterday, wasn't that, James? Over 40 years ago. Over 40 years ago. Yeah, look how slow change is. The organization officially opposed any psychiatric treatment, such as reparative or conversion therapy, in 1998. They came out against it. Yet only California, New Jersey, not, yeah, at New Jersey and the District of Columbia banned such therapies. Fifteen other states had prohibition legislation pending. Having the president back their efforts is a welcome boost. The president of the United States is backing this. I think this is all part of the revolution. This is all part of the inner revolution, that we're beginning to question our gods. Our gods are the beliefs, the institutions, the, oh, that's the way it is. This is the way it's done that we have accepted and that have poisoned us. You know, and it's fantastic to see that there is more and more movement. I would love to sit here and predict a better future for all of us because there's more and more people who are questioning the gods who are saying just the way we've always just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean that we should maybe chinese women shouldn't be binding their feet of their little girls right <laughs> Do you know what i'm saying just because it's done doesn't mean it's right healthy or for our highest good so uh, as soon as we come back from commercial break we're going to go on and start talking about what we need to change. Call us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.bethgreen.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community. The Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The inner revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website. Again, that's BethGreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. (music) 
You're tuned in to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi, welcome back to Inside Out. So now is the time when we start talking about our topic of the day. You know, there are so many things that we complain about. Oh, I hate the bus system or, uh, you know, the healthcare system or the school system or my marriage or whatever it is. And we are wanting to talk about, yeah, look at this. Things are changing. Things that we never thought would ever change are changing. So you remember earlier in the show, if you were listening, that I said, supposing we called a revolution and no one came. Well, that's what's happening. Nobody has called in yet. (laughs) 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 I hope that doesn't say anything about the future. This may build slowly, but hey, I want you to call. And I also want you to tell people about this show. We're starting from scratch, new theme, but I see the potential of us really building momentum. So my my first non-caller today is going to be James. Yes. Hi. Hi. I'd like to respond to this theme. If you could Yay. change anything in the world, what would it be? What would it be other than your marriage to Beth? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it would be living in a society in which everybody was trying to live according to what's for the highest good of all, including oneself. And uh, with that... Um, being compassionate and caring toward one another and being willing to look at oneself and to confront each other uh, to be better, uh, to be more enlightened about what they're doing in their lives and notice when they're creating uh, harm, damage, uh, alienation, separation, stuff like that. And, and I feel very pleased that I'm working on that personally and I know you are and I know a number of people who are. And yes. so uh, this is... This is the kind of change I'd like to see in the world, and I'm happy to see that I'm working on it with it myself, and so are others. I really love what you're saying, James, because I think part of the problem is that when we're kids, we are sensitive, we're aware of pain, we are, you know, we often don't like what we're seeing, but we become so afraid, discouraged, and uh, intimidated. And then people stop fighting. You know, it's like we talked about before, Kent State, you know, started to kill the kids and people stopped fighting. They got scared. So we do have two revolutionaries calling. And our, uh, so thank you for that, James. And our first caller is Irene from Fallbrook. Oh, we have more coming in. Yay. Good. Hi, Beth. Um, when you were talking about what would we like to do, I wasn't thinking so much the inner revolution myself, I was thinking about what in society and prisons, uh, I don't know whether it's foster care or prisons, that uh, I really would like us to see if we can make a change, you know, in the prison guard and the prisoner and Mm -hmm. the social worker and the family, you know, if we can somehow impact that that hierarchy and separation to uh, to help people help people more effectively yes well you've now absolutely 
And uh, this has everything to do with the inner revolution. It means that we need to start treating one another as though we were actually human beings. You know, I, I'll tell you uh, briefly a, a story about when 9-11 happened, I was giving a talk uh, about oneness uh, at a cafe in Idlewild because I had written a book called Sacred Union, The Healing of God, and it was really about oneness. And, you know, I was, I said, everyone wakes up in the morning wanting the same thing, to feel loved and validated, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so that the people who were uh, bombing the World Trade Center were not feeling loved and validated. Something had gone wrong in their world that they felt that the only way that they could feel any value was to go out yeah. and you know, commit suicide by bombing the World Trade Center because nobody was paying attention to their voice. And these are all c- countries that were coming out of colonialism, colonial history, imperialist history, and where we had done some, uh, we had been part of that. And I was astounded because there were some young people sitting in that cafe. It was like a hip kind of cafe, you know what I mean? And I love this hip, artsy, fartsy town in Southern California mountains. And the people were furious with me, furious that I would say that everybody, and they said, oh, not those people. They're not like us. See, that's the first thing is to say, it's the same thing with the police. You know, I want to look at the police and say, they are like me. Why are they doing what they're doing? Why do I do what I do? Where, why am I violent? And how do I treat people that I have control over? Not that I have. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I, yeah. I can't really c- to think of too many people I actually have any control over whatsoever. But anyway, uh, you know, if we look at it and everybody came together and said, we need to change the whole prison system. And we talked about that last time that people are talking about, you know, why are we incarcerating so many people? I think the numbers were staggering. Like one out of 12 black men uh, is in prison, one out of 60 white men is, you know, and uh, the racial profiling and who goes to prison. But it's not just that. It's anybody in prison. You know, is that the best way? Is that working? What kinds of prisons are working? What isn't working? We can't just say, we have a problem, we're going to lock it up and throw the key away. And yeah. that's, that's what we do. So it's, it's a part of we, it's a part of the inner revolution to look at how we deal with the parts of ourselves that we're afraid of, like our violence, and we try to lock that up and push that away. We have to look at the people that we put in charge of other people and what might be psychologically going on in them that they want to be in this kind of position, we have to always hold everybody accountable. I'm not saying that, that people who are uh, you know, committing crimes shouldn't be held accountable, but what's the best way to right. do that? Rather than just do it the old way. And one of the things that I have often noticed that when reformers uh, step into a situation, now I'm not saying this is universally true, I'm just saying I've noticed this a lot. The reformers come in with ideas that come from their heads and they don't even talk to the people involved to see what they need or if they have any ideas. And I think that's probably part of what you're talking about is the inner revolution is that for all of us to come in and take responsibility 
and look at what we can do. I remember during the welfare reform movement that people, um, you know, came in with ideas about welfare reform. But I was working in the welfare rights movement, and I don't know, I don't remember anybody asking people on welfare. <laughs> you know, what do you right. think? So right. that, that's, I just, uh, I wanted to respond to it because I think your topic is great and I wanted to connect it to the inner revolution. Right, right. So, so thanks for calling and uh, bringing it up. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And you can think about how you can do that in your own life. And uh, next we have, thank you for calling, Irene. Next we have Elizabeth from San Diego. Hi, Liz, uh, Beth and James. <laughs> Hi. Oh, my brain is not thinking well. I'm really trying to stay with the subject matter, and it's uh, one of those things where there's something here because I'm not able to stay present to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it that you want to change in society, and what does it have to do with you? Look at how we react and the actions that we take and how much they're based in our emotions. Mm. You know, I don't think that's it. I think there's something about your work that you're upset about and that you would like to change and that you don't even want to think about what you might do. My work. Mm-hmm. Uh, would that be in the nursing home arena? or the... It would be. Okay. Well, my gosh, just drug people <laughs> up and keep them in bed? <laughs> yeah, you mean you don't think that's it? That that's the right way? <laughs> no. My gosh. I mean, this it, society in general, it's like, okay, when people retire, they suddenly become sedentary, and then they start this downward slide of, okay, their health goes down because they're not doing as much. They're not uh, motivated, you know, they're not stimulated physically or mentally with reading and things like that. Some people still do that, but it's definitely not as much as when you're working full-time and taking care of a house and doing everything, you know, all at all at the same time, when you retire, it's like it, things just stop. Well, and, and what about, you know, is it your experience that nursing homes drug people and keep them in bed? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Especially and, the ones that have behavioral problems. Because if you've got a patient who's mentally out of it, they're, they're not with it cognitively, and they just yell and scream and it upsets everyone else around them, what else can they do? Exactly. Because, well, you know, see, you've, you've got 20 other residents who can't sleep because of this one who's yelling and screaming. You know, that's so important, Elizabeth, because this is the, the beginning of the inner revolution, is what you're doing is you're not just blaming the nursing home and say, oh, they're all corrupt and want money. You're saying, you know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, I think I have an idea. Those uh-huh. people are lonely. They just want somebody by their side. Okay. Just want somebody to hold their hand. Some of them, not all of them, but that a lot of times I experience. I go and I answer their call light, and they just don't want me to leave. Yes. They're scared. They're at the end of their life. They're going to die alone, even though they're surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. So why don't we have other people help volunteering just to sit with people? Well, why don't we, Elizabeth? <sighs> yes. <laughs> So, what, what or, do you, you think? You know, have what? animals. Animals come in. My gosh, you know, everyone lights up when a dog or a cat comes in and have programs where animals can live there and not just come visit for 10 minutes. So, uh, are you 
uh, putting together some ideas about what you think might help? <laughs> well, just in these you know few moments of talking with you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you have not done that up to this point. No. And I'm not saying this in an accusatory way. I think this is the problem. You know, we're always looking outside and, you know, for somebody to blame. But I love what you're doing. And maybe you could talk to different residents also about, hey, you've been in here a while. What do you think would make this better other than throwing another $100 million into the this care, which we don't have? Uh, so you could talk to various people who work around the nursing homes, including, you know, the staff and the residents and coming up with your own ideas. And you could start talking to people and saying, you know, I wonder what might help. Mm-hmm. See, that's what we're talking about in this show today. Get conversations going. What can we change and how can we do it and what would be effective? Yeah, and then you go and you talk to your administrators and involve them in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would bet you that many of the people who get into these jobs started out by wanting to help. Yeah. You know, Most and that of us have. And then they end up just becoming jail keepers to the elderly. And then there become power struggles. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, some people that work there, they they Oh yeah, their power. Oh yeah, by too, too you know, much not taking people, care of president. Yeah, people are looking out for themselves. They're looking out for: are, Am I going to get a uh, a raise this year? Am I going to stay in the good graces? People are afraid to lose their jobs if they say something that might be interpreted as antagonistic. But you know, you come in and you say, "I want to help." I really want to help, and I I have some thoughts, and I want to talk to other people. Then you're beginning an inner revolution. Mm, I see that now. Great. Do it. Thanks. Lo- love it. Thank you so much for calling. Mm-hmm. So uh, our next caller is Todd from San Diego. Welcome, Todd. Hi. Hi. It sounds like such an easy topic, like, what do I want to change in the world? Then I'm listening, and I'm like, oh, my God, why did I call? No. <laughs> Uh, no, but that's fascinating. I mean, yeah, I mean, why? in a yeah. way, because of the way you're addressing, it's really making me think about myself. And um, so I was, I was. My initial topic was changing the way, not necessarily changing the content of what's in the news, but changing the way the news is presented. So it isn't. You probably heard the phrase, "If it bleeds, it leads." Mm, no, I haven't, but I certainly get the meaning. Yeah. And that's kind of the way the news is because it's sensational and it draws people in to want to watch it or to view it. You know, it kind of it gets you hooked into going, okay, I want to, I need to find out what this is about. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, that's part of our, that's part of where the inner revolution makes, needs to take place so that we, we aren't uh, necessarily, that's all we're looking for, <laughs> you know, the drama. Um, but what I was going to say is it could have that same kind of compelling way of hooking you in, but leave you in a different place if there were, it was more geared towards solutions or kind of what you were just talking about with Elizabeth, like really looking and exploring the issue and discussing it and having a dialogue rather than it just being like dumped there. You know, here's the, uh, 15th homicide that happened this week and here it is the news. 
know. Well, you know, Todd, I want to make a, a comment on that, bec- which is uh, related to sports. There's a lot of blood sports. Mm. You know, I, I have been complaining about football since I saw it on television the first time when I was, you know, like five years old or something. Yeah. I looked at them and they say, these guys are crazy. But it's yeah. not the guys that are crazy. It's what about the people who are watching? Don't yeah. they know these people are hurting themselves and each other? You know, why are we watching? Why are so many of our sports so violent? And I, I, I remember watching my first boxing match and thinking, why is this not against the law? Mm. But it isn't. And people cheer and they get all kinds of excitement going when they're watching blood sports. And in a way, when you were talking about the news, that's what it reminded me of. First of all, it allows us to feel superior to somebody who yeah. was out there who did something, who got arrested for it. Or, or it's, you know, it's that curiosity. I was like, oh, gee, I always wanted to murder my husband, but I never had the nerve. She did it. But it's also in looking at the news, we want... We want to see the punch out. We seem to like to see people fighting. Yeah. Isn't there something weird about that? There is. I mean, I definitely uh, feel that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that you can do is to take a look at yourself and ask yourself, what blood sports do I like to either participate in or watch, and it doesn't have to be a sport. It could be an argument, or you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and then say to yourself, "Why do I do it? Hmm. What am I looking for from this right. experience?" Right, powerful and superior. I think is you know, it's a simple answer. I mean, I'll have to look more carefully, but to feel uh, respected. No, that's yes. one way. Because this yes. happens with my oldest son mostly, the, the argumentative, <laughs> the blood sport there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so there's that. And then the other piece of it, of course, is it's about the news itself. Um, we like simple answers. We yeah. don't want to have to think about anything. We want to believe that there's the good guys and the bad guys. This is going back to confronting our gods. Yeah. Oh, I want to believe that every Democrat is good, every Republican's bad, or every Republican is good, every Democrat is bad, or whatever it is. I don't yeah. want to have to get facts. I don't want to have to get information. I just want to know what to think. We are going to go to commercial break right now, but why don't you hang on just a little bit and meditate on this question while we're at break. And you guys, stick with us. We'll be right back. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.bethgreen.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, 
Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community. The Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The inner revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website. Again, that's BethGreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Now, back to Inside Out. Hello, welcome back to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution. So, um, we have... Todd's still on the phone, and then we have another caller after him, but I'd like to come back to Todd because he was talking about the news. Yes, I was. So, so did any... To... Yes. I'm so go ahead. What, you were... I asked you to ponder why you think that the news is... Everything is so negative. Yeah. See, see normally, who's blamed? It's the media, right? Right, it's them. It's rather than them. it's us, because we yeah. are the ones who are watching it. Exactly. <laughs> and, and in fact... And they, compl- they, they point their finger at us saying, well, they only want to watch this kind of stuff. And they're right. <laughs> you know, when you see... In fact, we have a show about uh, social media. I think it's next week, isn't it, hon? Yes. James? Yes, it is. Yes. It, we are going to be taking on social media next week, and it's just about this. Why does this stupid shit get... <laughs> you know, sent around the world, and you try to say something meaningful and nobody wants to watch. Yeah. So it's not them, it's us. Do, did anything else come to you? No, I didn't have anything else come to me. I certainly was thinking about it. I was thinking more about my little sphere and the connection between the way it is in the news and the way it is in, in your my home? life and myself. Because <laughs> so, I know that's what I can act upon. I mean, I well, can act upon the bigger world, too. I mean, I did that. I created a good news show, but that's not the answer either. That's kind of what I was getting at. You know, that's very good because it's not about the good news or (laughs) it's about the truth. And let's get real about the truth. I like what you're saying, Todd. I I think this would be a great exercise for you to be thinking about more of. But yes, I think what you, the most important thing that you're getting out of this exercise is if I'm doing this in my world, how can I expect it to be any different outside? Correct. Why should we expect, it's like how we are with our politicians. You know, we expect our politicians to adhere to an ethical standard that, that's higher than the general population. Now, why would that be? Right. <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh, he had an affair. Oh, yeah, well, why don't you interview all these people and ask them whether or not they've had affairs? You know, oh, he was corrupt. Why don't you get everybody, you know, in, in an anonymous situation and find out how many of them have treated on their 
taxes. Or, right. you know what I'm saying? So it's like pointing the finger, it's always good. And I think that one of the key pieces that you've really brought out already today is we don't really demand that the news be different because we don't want it to be different. We want to have simple sound bites that tell us what to think and who the bad guy is so we know what we should do rather than realize how complex everything in life really is and that we're going to have to take on something much deeper. It's, it's another version of the same thing. If you throw money at the problem, it'll go away. Yeah. You know, let's find an easy solution. We could just kill all the Muslims. I mean, that's obviously... Oh, by the way, talking about killing all the Muslims, there was that bad news. And then we have to hang up because we have another caller. Uh, the, uh, the news about this woman in Texas who organized uh, this event where, uh, to draw uh, insulting cartoons of Muhammad and two people were killed. And I'm sure that she's walking away from this feeling like, Wow. And the two people who were killed were the, the people who came to attack uh, this free speech event. And, you know, this is such hogwash. This isn't about free speech. She doesn't need to have a demonstration in Texas about the freedom of Christians to make fun of Muhammad. <laughs> you know, uh, she, if she really wants to support free speech... Why doesn't she get out there and talk about the freedom of Muslims to have worship in the United States? That's really talking about free speech. But you see, it's, it's this, um, you know, people who don't want to look at themselves, who are putting themselves forward uh, with an easy target. Yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. easy target. Yeah, it's, and we have to stand up to that. I mean, whether it's we're saying off the pig and we're in a, a room full of 10,000 blacks saying off the pig, that's, that's and you know, now we're talking about the white cops as being an easy target. Or if we're sitting around and we're having a casual conversation with a friend and some racist thing pops out of our mouth about somebody who isn't in the room, but if they were in the room or someone of that uh, race or religion was in the room, we wouldn't say it. I, you know, I had experiences like that because I went to an Ivy League college years ago, a girls' school, and I had a scholarship, believe me. Anyway, they never saw a Jew in their life, and I didn't have, have dark hair. I had at that time, I was blonde, and uh, they didn't know I was Jewish. And they would make all kinds of anti-Semitic remarks right in front of me. And then when I, when I commented and I said uh, that I was Jewish, well, they were all over themselves trying to, like, cover up. But, you know, easy targets. So it's very easy for us to sit around talking about them, having an easy, tar- easy target, feeling smug, and going back to life as usual. And that's exactly what the inner revolution is not about. So thanks a lot for your call, and I bet you're going to think about this more. And I, last, I will. <laughs> thank you for doing this show, and thank you for all your shows. Oh, thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. And last but not least, we have Anne from Fallbrook. Thank you. Hello. Hi, and um, thanks for hanging in there. <laughs> it's a great call. Um, a great uh, show. I love the, the two that you were just mentioning about being more in the inquiry, about being, you know, about really digging deeper into issues and then, <clears throat> sorry, looking at ourselves first, the inner revolution, and um, that's what this show seems to even be about. I love the combination of looking at something we want to change in the world and how that relates to you. And one thing I was thinking about is I would love to 
reduce the amount of competition that we have among people in the sense of the way we seem to feel so threatened by um, other people's success or empowerment sometimes and or um, them moving forward. And I know, I mean, I work with um, kids who are underprivileged and really working to better themselves and their families are immigrants and, you know, that's why they came here. And I feel so much, you know, so much resistance um, just around the community even sometimes. And you can just kind of feel the conflict that it creates, you know, even though we might pay lip service to, you know, wanting all people to be free and successful, but yet we have these policies, right, that don't exactly yeah. seem to be in alignment with that, right? Um, well, and so are you... I, yeah. Annie, I, I just want a clarification from you. Are mm-hmm. you talking about in the Hispanic community that there is resistance to the kids uh, changing? In the classroom from the other kids, there's resistance? Could you be more specific? I think that there is both. You know, I think there's, there's, there's conflict and resistance on both sides. You know, there's so much energy that kind of, like, wants to keep the status quo. I mean, that's what I feel and sense and observe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's all, but I don't think it's the whole story, of course. Um, but you're talking about in the Hispanic community, not just in the Caucasian community. The yeah. non-Hispanic community, I should say. So I think so. Uh, well, yes, because what you're ta- you started out, but very interesting comment. You talked about envy and competition. Mm-hmm. So... What would that have to do with resistance to having certain kids move forward? Well, sometimes if someone becomes more successful, and let's say they've been doing lower-paying jobs, you know, because they don't have education, it's kind of like everybody seems to be okay with, you know, that. And then it's like if that person becomes educated, you know, or their kids become educated or more proficient in a language skills with English, and that opens the doors for them to be competing with my kids. Let's say I don't have my own children, but Mm -hmm. let's say that, then I'm not, maybe, then I'm feeling more threatened of my own survival, perhaps, or my own children's chances to get into college, you know, and it's like, oh, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe those kids don't need to go to college, you know, or I might find myself, you know feeling conflicted about laws that would make it easier for these people to have access to programs that would, you know, ensure their citizenship or access to going to a university or even better quality education. And I I might not even be aware of it. There it is. I mean, you've hit it on the head. It's very easy to sit at a distance and have this bleeding heart Uh, talking Mm -hmm. about how we should give advantages to other people until it becomes threatening to our own survival. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. And there are so many versions of that. Uh, It could be threatening to our own survival if, let's say, there's three kids in a family and Mm -hmm. and we all come from pretty much the same background, but one is doing so much better than the others then mm-hmm. I might not like my sister or brother to be getting ahead because that proves that I could be doing more myself. Mm-hmm. When I mm-hmm. want to blame the system and somebody stands up and breaks out of the mold, uh, mm-hmm. what happens to me blaming the system? Then I have to start looking at myself. Then that inner mm-hmm. revolution has to happen in me and I have to see why, well, you know, it's, it's where I'm, when we were talking about the situation in Baltimore, 
it's not about just blaming the social workers or the city or the landlords. It's like, what is it for all of us? And yet, yeah. what often happens is that in a very racist way, we say, okay, well, we're going to blame them. Well, they're lazy. They just want to sit around and collect money mm-hmm. so they can have, you know, have babies so they can collect money. And how yeah. many of the people who are saying that are wanting to be supported by uh, their husbands or their wives so that they can stay home and raise mm-hmm. their children. <laughs> or the government and getting their home mortgage tax subsidy, you know. Oh, so like yeah. That's welfare. I mean, Exactly, or corporate welfare. So <laughs> instead of denying it, we can say, yes, yeah. I am that. I have the same, you know, and, and are we all going to change? So mm-hmm. what, you're, what you're confronting is... So many levels of resistance and of yeah. the people in the community who feel threatened when uh, when anybody surpasses them, the mm-hmm. uh, you know the conflict that parents have between wanting their kids to get ahead of them and on the other hand they don't want the kids to then change and question the old traditions mm-hmm. that they may the children may change. There is the siblings who may have to look at themselves and see what they're doing. There is the people who's who are threatened uh, if uh, someone else gets ahead, you know, because we live in a competitive world. If yeah. an inner revolution requires us to change everything, you know, we all have to come together and change the world so that everybody has more opportunity. Otherwise, we're always going to be pitting one poor person against another. This was the problem with affirmative action. It's not that I'm saying if mm-hmm. affirmative action didn't help certain people, but that was the problem with affirmative action. Everybody got threatened and then they polarized. So you're yeah. hitting a big one, Anne. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure Thank that you. you'll be thinking even further about this. Oh, yes. <laughs> so Thank you. Thank you for your call. Well, we have finished our callers, and we are right on time for James to announce next week's show. And our next edition of Inside Out will be the corruption of social media and the subversion of the inner revolution. Who said that? (laughs) Well, that's one of those gossipy things that spreads around through the social media. I hope so. I hope that this spreads, goes viral. Yeah, what about the corruption of the social media? Let's have a look at that. Yeah. Sure examples related to Freddie Gray, for example, and the Baltimore police protests, as reported by the Washington Post. They give quite a litany. But we we could be looking at any of the other fabrications frequently going viral on the Internet. Why is this important? Because social media is our responsibility. It's democracy's answer to the monopolization of news. Yeah. Uh, but when it's abused, it subverts our efforts to create a better world. This week on Inside Out, we'll talk about the, how the misuse of social media corrupts the inner revolution, and we'll examine the part we play. Are we feeding negativity, gossip, or feel-good fluff? Do we reserve judgment until we get facts? Do we spread unexamined statements serving only to feed our cherished opinions? Tune in, call in, and talk about your relationship to social media. Let's acknowledge the power of the tweet and start holding ourselves accountable for not debasing this great tool that has come into our hands. And now, a final word from Beth. Yes, go ahead. uh, Thanks, James. I can't wait to share with you some of the insane things that were reported about the Freddie Gray craze through social media. But it could be anything. And uh, it's so true. It goes back to Todd's question. You know, why does this stuff 
uh, you know, go viral. And it's so important. Social media is ours. This is democracy at work. Let's have it start working better. See you next week. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Think outside the box and have a great week.